This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I am Amit Ghosh, an internal medicine physician at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Beyond ourselves with joy, as we have two of the leaders in Mayo Clinic, we have Ms. Daniel Thiel, who's Senior Program Coordinator of the Joy and Physician Wellbeing Group at Mayo Clinic. And we have Mr. Eric Cleveland, who's the Operations Administrator of our Joy Project. Welcome, Daniel, and welcome, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really hard. Uh, since last year, the whole world has been going through this COVID-19 pandemic. And I was looking at the numbers in US, we have 21 million people who have been affected in some form or the other with, with the COVID-19 pandemic, which makes us one in 15 Americans are getting afflicted with, with COVID. This is apart from what is going on in the global area. So the topic which we are going to discuss today is so important and we are going to discuss about joy. And why is joy important for organizations? Why is joy important for individuals? And what can we do to bring about joy in Mayo Clinic as well as in our own institutions, which may be small or large? And I would start the question by just asking either of you, what is joy? And why is joy different from happiness? So what does joy mean? Well, what we've learned in the last 18 months with the intentional projects where we have implemented interventions to remove barriers and to enhance joy at Mayo Clinic is that joy can be confusing for people and it can be a bit of a disconnect because people feel that it's quite individualistic. So I think we have to differentiate between the individual aspect of joy, but then also how does our organization want to set the stage for joy and provide a culture where joy can be sustained. And I think Dr. Hayes really kind of conceptualizes it really well, that joy is a human emotion and that when we experience it in a positive, reflective and connective way, it creates this kind of transcendent feeling among our teams and provides that connection and kind of ripples ongoing and impacts each person. And collectively, you know, Dr. Frugia has mentioned this before too, if we all seek it together, then we can feel joy at an organizational level. So I think we have to kind of differentiate what that looks like from an individual aspect and then also from a culture of joy at Mayo Clinic and how we set the stage for that and sustain it. What I would think about adding to Danielle's answer is, you know, to, to kind of go back to part of your question, Dr. Ghosh, in terms of how is it different from happiness? I think what we've seen, and I, I think, you know, again, it is a personal experience as well as something that we've discussed in, in a collective fashion that joy is this human emotion that seems to be generated more from our efforts on behalf of others and or when our own activities, either in our work roles or our other professional relationships or even personal relationships when we are able to engage in those activities that really allow us to feel as if we're fulfilling some of the more unique aspects of what we feel called or compelled to be able to do in that work or in that role, whether that's, you know, again, 
the times when you, you feel closer to helping patients, you know, and delivering on our value of the needs of the patient comes first, especially for someone like me in administrative role where I'm some degrees of separation from direct patient care. And I can think of some of the most joyful days I've had at Mayo or when I've done something that contributes to either the people I support being better at, to fulfill the, the purpose and the mission of their work, or I myself do something to help a patient. And if I could tell you maybe just a little story, you know, to illustrate what I mean, I won't go into the pandemic. I'll actually speak to the, the wonderful snowstorm we had last year. You might remember that 24 or 48 hour period where, you know, nobody could get to work and some of us were here. And um, in pulmonary, we have a, a pulmonary function lab. And we still had some patients here and they were, they were going through testing. And as I, you know, had gotten here early, was able to get here and kind of let the team know that if they needed anything, you know, page me, I would come help. And the uh, desk at the PF lab paged me and they said, you know, we need to transport this patient from gone to 18 down to the ninth floor. We don't have anybody from general service. You know, can you help us? So I went up to the floor and I asked for where the patient was and they said, why? And I said, well, I'm going to take him. They're like, you're going to take him? Like, well, of course I'm going to take him. Let's, you know, and I had the most wonderful conversation taking this gentleman down to the ninth floor, riding the elevator with him, talking with him. And what was very interesting for me to experience as a result of that is that became a story that the team members told because for some reason that was impactful, you know, that I didn't delegate the job, I didn't find somebody. And what was interesting for me is I felt so deeply rewarded for it. I had no interest in whether or not it had any sort of impact on anyone else because I felt like I was being useful and I experienced joy by being able to help that patient. So I think it's in the storytelling. Again, Danielle might speak to this as we continue the conversation, listening to some of our teams that have done joy initiatives, tell the stories about what they've learned and how they've actualized their intentions and how that's promoted joy in their groups really, I think, helps deepen our understanding of what joy is and back to your question, how it's different than happiness. Like most hospitals, we are a huge complex organization. I mean, you don't need to be a medical system, but because of the interaction we have at different levels, not only patients, between ourselves, uh, we are all employees, whether it's in administration, operations, front desk, back end. Uh, why is joy so important in a large, complex organization like us and in many other organizations? Why is it important? I guess I'll start answering this one. And, and one of the things that we learned, you know, in part as we studied joy independently at Mayo, but then also in a, a partnership program we've participated in with the International Healthcare Institute, the IHI, is the, the importance of having conversations around what really matters to us in our work roles and in our day-to-day -day interactions with each other. And if and when folks kind of hone in on the what matters and why am I willing and, and wanting to work through these issues to be able to work better with my colleagues, to be able to work more efficiently in my job. And when we make it easier for them to do the things that matter to them, we remove the pebbles from their shoe that kind of frustrate them from being able to perform their duties efficiently and effectively. That's when we find people feel like work, again, isn't hard. It's not psychologically taxing. It's not emotionally exhausting because they don't have to do, you know, the things that, you know, instead of taking three steps to get the work done, they're able to do it in one. And so that, again, saves something on 
the physical effort, the emotional effort. And so that's why I think joy is important. It can alleviate the hardships or the sources of friction, the sources of frustration that keep people from connecting to what their time, talents, and, and motivations really have them wired to do when they come to work. Because our, our people want to do tremendous work here. They, they want to do great things for our patients and each other. And sometimes the better we can get at making it very easy for them to do that, that I think, again, translates into them just being kind of more whole in their work and they, they don't feel so exhausted or, or frustrated, you know, because he buttoned their head up against something time and time again. But Danielle, what would you add? I would also add that the outcomes from making sure that a culture of joy is prevalent, it, it is vital to an organization because the outcomes is, or a healthcare institution, patient experience. I mean, if our staff are satisfied and they're happy and productive, our patients are going to feel that impact too. And, and we already have a kind of a pre-established meaning and purpose at Mayo Clinic that the needs of our patient come first, but also we need to recognize that our employees matter too. And if we take care of our employees, guess what? They're gonna take care of our patients and the organization and our leaders. The, some of the protocols that we make, how we should see patients or how we should do works, their guidelines, one of the untoward effects of it is that it adds a complexity and that adds stress to people and individuals. And that causes almost sometimes negativity and a toxic work environment, even though the leaders who set up doing it had all the good intentions of simplifying care. And what I'm hearing from you is that joy has to be intentionally thought of right from the beginning when you're thinking about any protocol and as you lay it out, because within the protocols that we have, uh, which are meant to help each other and help the patients and help all of us do our work effectively, if we don't pay attention to the emotional needs of each of us, we are not going to see that effect. And we don't, as Daniel said, if we don't see the effect, the patient experience is not going to be that good. Is that, am I right in assuming correctly your interpretation? Yeah, I would also add that, I mean, you nailed it right there. When it comes to joy, we have to get real and transparent about people's experiences in order to truly remove barriers and impediments to joy. If we don't do that, then anything that we do is a band-aid and it's superficial. So we have to really dig in and find out what those experiences are and make true change for it to be sustainable. So as in Mayo Clinic, I've heard our leaders talk about it. And in your website, you mention about it. Why is it a priority? It's no longer an afterthought. What are we looking at the priority? What are we attempting to do? I would say first and foremost, Dr. Ghosh, it's a priority because Dr. Farooja made it a priority. And so, you know, I think to our benefit as an organization to have our CEO, you know, say, I want our organization to experience more joy and I want our individual employees to experience more joy. And obviously by extension, that translates itself into what our patients experience and or we ourselves as employees experience. I think we all know that change happens in an organization when people at the highest levels of leadership, you know, genuinely commit and, and buy in and support. And so to have Dr. Farouge at the time he took over say, he wanted to promote joy and he wanted to be held accountable for it by having his own measure, you know, for, for joy on his report card, really opened the door for Dr. Hayes. And at the time, uh, Heidi Dieter, who I took her role over, they were then really given the green light to figure out how do you make that happen, you know, and how do you stimulate and really 
cause this to occur across the enterprise because again, it was truly thought of as something that would be very beneficial and build off of the great work that's been done in the spaces of health and well-being, physician well-being, burnout prevention, that joy is seen as another key strategic effort that can strengthen our resolve and strengthen our capacity to experience work in a way that doesn't lead to depersonalization, doesn't lead to some of the symptoms of burnout. So it really was kind of given to the the leadership team that we then built from the highest level to promote it and move it forward, which then also came with some resources, which, you know, was very useful and really no rules, which was also fitting with, you know, what we were learning about Dr. Farouge's interest with the 2030 strategy of, again, spurring innovation, making it easier to do the things we're being asked to do. And so, we really have been leading a, a somewhat non-blueprint, non-Mayo Clinic approach to building this plane while we're flying it and learning a lot of valuable lessons along the way. And we've really only been kind of at this for about a year, but we think through the experiments and the pilots and initiatives that have been spurred by the joy effort that Dr. Ferugia empowered, we really have created value for patients you know, ourselves as employees, we think work units have benefited, you know, as a result, because I think, again, some of what we do need to pay attention to, because it comes back to influencing joy, are the drivers that you really matter, you know, that make us happy, healthy, and productive. Do I have meaning and, and value in my work? Am I connected to, you know, the mission vision? Do I have autonomy and control? Do I feel psychologically and physically safe? You know, so a lot of what we're trying to do, I think, does come back to joy in some way. This is just another lever to pull to try to further influence how well we experience our time at Mayo Clinic. Daniel, do you have anything to add? I do. I What has been really neat about hearing from our top leadership endorsing and encouraging joy is that what I noticed when we were working with these work units and departments and leaders across the enterprise was as we were sharing the culture of, yes, let's do this, let's remove these barriers and, and really dig into creating this kind of culture of joy, people would respond back with, are you sure? Is this okay? And I think that that's really important to note because there is a sense of conformity culture at Mayo Clinic that has been quite uniform for a very long time. And when that pivots to a more bold, progressive environment where maybe innovative ideas and and new novel uh, experiences and things like that can further enhance employee experiences and well-being. I think we really need to look to that and create a path so that that can occur and grow. And that's exactly what this initiative has done. It's been organic. It's been grassroots. The infrastructure has been really nimble and small. And we've been able to really confront policies and, and different aspects at Mayo Clinic and question things to ask, is this really needed? Can we do it differently? What can we do differently? And uh, so I, joy is, is innovation too. It's being bold and figuring out what is the best way to create a culture of joy and, and to have positive experiences. Dr. So Ghosh, can, can I, do you mind if I just double okay. back to yeah. an earlier question you asked? Because I, I think you actually asked a question that to me gives us even another frame or another tactic that we can bring to our, our groups or our teams as we work on joy. You, you were asking about, you know, because we're a healthcare organization, we work on these, whether it's quality improvement initiatives or other things to ensure that we have standardized protocols. You said, 
do these things bring us joy? And I think one of the things that we would probably encourage teams to do is actually be as intentional as you were in your question and saying, if we design the solution like this, if we make this change in our check-in, if we make this change in our medication reconciliation process, will this bring joy to the nurses? Will this bring joy to the provider? Will this bring joy to the patient? Actually making that a part of the discovery process or the, the design process of the solution I think is what we're actually encouraging people to want to do. And so I, I thank you for asking the question the way you did, because it, it just caused a bit of a light bulb for me to go off and to say that that's probably part of what we need to even encourage and teach now as we try to help people, you know, learn how to have these conversations and bring and, and wire joy into their work is to actually just say, will this bring you joy? If yeah. we do this, will this make your work more joyful? You're spot on, Eric. And and I think incorporating that into not only, okay, we're focused on the bottom line, but are we focused on the overall well-being of our employees too? Because both are are complementary to each other and, and the end result is going to be even better. When our leaders endorse it and make it a top initiative, everybody buys into it. And it's not just a three-letter word. It is more intentional. It's like even DNA is a three-letter word like joy. So it is becoming in the rubric and very intentional. I'm a student of physics and the reason they have equation is they can make a very complex theme into an equation. A plus B is equal to something, almost like an algebra. And when I was looking at your joy equation, I was wondering how you came up with gratitude plus kindness is joyful experience. How did that equation come around? Danielle is our kindness guru both here at Mayo and in our community. So I'm going to like, because I'm thinking this one really did come from you. Did it not, Danielle? Yeah, it was a collective effort. Yeah. yeah. I'll never take credit for everything because it's definitely a team effort. I appreciate um, everybody's contribution towards Joy at Mayo Clinic. But yes, gratitude and kindness, we do know that between both of those, they do create joyful experiences. And we know this to be true because the improvement science shows that when you are showing gratitude, when you're, you're thinking of gratitude and you incorporate kind aspects such as carrying out a kind act for someone else or for your, yourself, especially in the face of the pandemic, we need to, to take care of each other and ourselves. And at Mayo Clinic, it creates this transcendent experience, this emotion of connectedness and joy. And so I think why we put this out there in a bold orange kind of campaign on our, our internal site was that we want people to know that you have to be intentional with joy. And so we need to include those intentions of gratitude and kindness in order to do that. And if you saw on our, our site, we share different ways that people can do it from an individual approach and a team approach, because yes, there is some buy-in uh, across the organization for joy, but, but there are people that are still confused by what it is and what does it mean? And sometimes when you're in the trenches, you're in a work setting, you can't see beyond your experiences. And it's helpful to go to some resources to figure out how do I incorporate gratitude in a team dynamics? How do I incorporate kindness and start making those micro practices a priority? Uh, it changes everything. I think it was when Dr. Len Berry was here a long time ago, kind of studying Mayo, and I don't know if it was just him who, who spoke to this or, or someone else, but one of the things that was talked about was, in, in some regards, the brilliance of our vision or, you know, or the value of Mayo, which was that simple notion of the needs of the patient comes first, right? That it, it can make it very easy to know, what does that mean? How do I activate? How do I you know, actualize that? 
And it doesn't matter again, if I'm direct patient care, if I'm administrative, I'm finance, you know, I know what that means and I can act on it and I can explain it to somebody. And so back to your comment about the DNA or the, the equation, breaking down joy the way that that equation does, I think makes it easier for people to say, what creates joy? What promotes joy? How do I have an opportunity to, again, put that into practice, identify behaviors or ways of thinking or ways of communicating that will generate gratitude, be an act of kindness, contribute to a positive human experience. I think it makes it easier for us to feel like this isn't mysterious anymore. I can read the definition, but I still don't know if I know what to do. That simple little equation, as I think about it, makes it easier for us to be able to then know how to act and explain it better to other people. So I do think we're actually creating some DNA in some small way that will make joy work. Eric, you were saying that we got to be more intentional in the checkout process or anything which we do. So the person who is doing it has to just keep these two big boxes. Uh, Am I grateful for what I'm getting? These protocols have been given, thought of, and am I showing kindness or when I'm delivering it? In a way, it's an emotion kind of a thing. And the same thing with receiving. Am I gratitude for what I'm grateful for what I'm receiving? And am I thankful for the kindness with which I'm receiving this gratitude? So I'm sure with your improvement science and, and techniques, uh, these can be incorporated in, as quality improvement measures in almost every single endeavor which we do. And I am as guilty as anybody else that joy was always an afterthought. It was always a science. It was a cause and effect. And then you deliver the care. And only by not doing things which are right and repeatedly doing the wrong things. And it's what this talk about insanity is doing the same thing, <laughs> a wrong thing again and again and expecting a different result. We were expecting that as an organization, as a group, we're going to have a different result. And I'm already seeing your endeavors bearing fruit. People are talking about it. Uh, Your website is very important. Can you talk about this joy at Mayo Clinic initiative? Is it just a Mayo initiative or we have a much more global, larger global presence with our platforms that we're going to roll out? Sure. I'm going to take part of your question and then I'm going to let Danielle contribute to some of this as well. I think you'd also asked a little bit about our scope. And so the scope has been an enterprise level, Mayo Clinic enterprise level initiative. And so it's a very small team of us, as Danielle mentioned, Dr. Hayes and I are the co-chairs. Danielle's our right-hand person who does a lot of the activity associated with our work. And then we have a small team of advocates and, you know, fierce joy drivers in their own right. And they contributed their own personal free time to aid and, and kind of drive our work forward. And then we also have created an advisory council that has representation from across the enterprise. So people who are looking to promote joy in Arizona, Florida, Eau Claire, La Crosse. So we have a lot of you know, evangelizing people now who are kind of aiding us and figuring out how do we generate activity that can be done in a way that really meets the unique needs of sites, work units, divisions, departments within those sites, because there really isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to this at all, which again, was not desired at the institution level, was really make it grassroots, make it innovative, make it so people can have a ton of control over how they do this and what they do. So we are looking to promote activities across the enterprise, and we have shared our stories a little bit through the IHI 
engagement that we've had. But beyond that, we haven't written anything yet. We haven't uh, gone on any speaking junkets. And the initiatives have been very unique and interesting. And I'll ask Danielle, since she's been very close to them in ways that I haven't really, reading impact reports and helping evaluate the maybe three sentence proposal for funding that somebody might have sent to do a project. Maybe she could highlight just a couple of the more unique initiatives that have served as maybe good templates that we've shared with others as they wonder, what's a joy project? Absolutely. So um, Eric, you know, basically captured how this all got started. It's about 18 months ago. Uh, we kicked off and, and started identifying areas that would take on promoting and establishing joy, intentional joy activities in their areas. And so that's basically what has occurred. We had initially 70 projects that also had sub-projects below it. These are project leaders are from either department work units across the enterprise site leaders. And, you know, due to the pandemic, we definitely wanted to ensure that uh, we were able to do some joy activities, but with also honoring the fact that we needed to limit resources too. And so those 70 projects, you know, went to about 40 and they continued in the face of the pandemic. And so I think one of the things I want to point out is that even when there is disruption in our work, in our communities, in our world, there is ways to still cultivate joy and joy may look differently, especially for example, in the pandemic, joy may look like hope, it may look like connection. And so that was one of the things that we learned from these initiatives was that by empowering our employees to know best what is good for their areas, but also provide the resources so they can learn what could be a good matchup for cultivating joy in their area, they were able to really pull together some projects and activities that enhance joy. So we empowered uh, those groups, but also from the joy team perspective, we also had special projects that were ad hoc that we implemented and was able to do across the enterprise. One of those projects I will mention uh, that was quite impactful was the JAM. So we talked about that. It's the joy at Mayo Clinic. It's the joy at sign M that we use. So the whole concept of that is letting people know you're my jam or that's my jam. They're living in Mayo Clinic values. And the way that they did that was essentially carrying out acts of kindness. So we identified 12 leaders at Mayo Clinic who looked to departments outside of their own department to see how other Mayo Clinic employees were living in their values. And they surprised them with tokens of appreciation and a bit of kindness. And there was a card that went with it that basically said, you're, you're living in Mayo Clinic values. That's our jam. And people really appreciated that recognition reward is a joy driver. And when people are recognized and rewarded for their work, they feel affirmed in what they're doing and it will continue towards a happy, healthy, productive employee. And so one other example I'll share is the door screeners. Unprecedented, you know, with the pandemic, we had to redeploy many of our employees to do door screening. There were some contentious interactions that we heard about between employees and patients and patients to patients and, and all kinds of scenarios. And so the door screeners were a pivotal first impression and entry for anybody, employees or patients that came to Mayo Clinic. And so we wanted to recognize that experience in honor of what our door screeners were experiencing at that time. And we sent out a letter uh, to those that had to be redeployed and pivot to this uniquely with a coin. And actually, Eric, if you want to talk about the coin, because it came out of a discussion you had with some of your peers, that would be awesome. It was a really neat commemorative gift that we sent out. Ken Ackerman, administrator of St. Mary's Hospital, has 
had a practice with the group he's led. He borrowed an approach from the military where sometimes coins, symbolic coins were given when a soldier or an officer would do X, Y, Z. And Ken was using these coins, you, you know, to somewhat similar manner that Danielle mentioned where somebody did something and they weren't doing it because they wanted recognition, but it really was Mayo values being lived out in real time. And Ken would invite these individuals to a team meeting. They had no idea what they were coming to. And he would tell the story and give them these coins. And so from that idea, we had kind of a joint uh, discussion around kind of landing on a, a commemorative coin, a symbolic coin that could be used not just for that purpose, but maybe for things in patient experience. And we decided to join this effort. And we designed one that ended up using Joe Frisch, the original doorman of, of the plumber building for Mayo Clinic. And the reason Joe was selected was because, again, you know, he ended up representing to the world in some regards what Mayo Clinic was, what the experience was like when you came to Mayo Clinic. And you might have been the first face that people saw. And some people might remember, you know, Joe more than they remembered the physician they saw, you know, when they came and, you know, he was honored by Time Magazine. Anyways, the coin has Joe and it has the rich ties around it. And we really wanted to, again, say to our colleagues who stepped up to play that role that, you know, we see how important and valuable this is. And you are living out Mayo Clinic, you know, for our patients, for us, you're doing such an incredible thing. We wanted to tie, again, our values and how we all play a part, whether we realize it or not, in promoting and perpetuating the uniqueness of this organization. And they had no idea we were doing this. And uh, it's been, again, just a wonderful way for us to recognize our, our colleagues. And we've received numerous notes in response where people are, just feel honored. They feel overwhelmed that, again, somebody took the time to recognize them for this. Because again, a lot of our folks don't expect to be recognized for what they do because that's what we do at Mayo. You know, you, you, you pitch in. One so that's the, the story of the coin. One of the things you really mentioned, both of you, is the innovation part of joy. And going through your website, the JAM website, I came across this story where the people who are working overnight uh, in the surgical floors, they're getting scrubs, fresh yeah. scrubs to change in the middle of the night, which was, they felt good to wear a new dress. And they were also given a cup of coffee. Uh, so it's very different from the door screeners. Yep. So something which brings a joy at a different setup might be uniquely different. And that would lead that group to figure out, innovate, what would be an act of guide, uh, gratitude and kindness in that setup. And your website has really captured that. Before I end, there's one thing which I want to know about the science of joy and how joy became, it's a universal theme like the IHI, you mentioned about the joy framework, workplace framework. Can you give us some idea about what that framework is all about and how that's helping hospitals to create their own story of joy and the framework, it's kind of a benchmark of how to look at joy create joy and implement joy and set up. Yeah, Dr. Ghosh, that I think you really um, touched on something that is important with the IHI framework is the what matters to you conversation, which is the first step for a leader to, to create and set the stage for joy. And so that what matters to you is the very first step. It's an important question. And then when you hear that feedback, you're able to fully discern what joy driver would best match up so that you can implement as an intervention. And so there are numerous joy drivers that you can identify to that IHI has that 
Um, it's the happy, healthy, productive wheel. And on that, Eric mentioned before, you know, some of those, one of those is recognition, reward, team camaraderie, psychological and, and physical safety. Those are all important to the overall happy, healthy, productive workforce and, and, and ensuring joy can flourish in those dynamics. And so the second step to that framework for a leader is to identify from those what matters to you conversations, what are the impediments to joy? What are the barriers? And that third step is removing it. So figuring out how do you implement some, some of these joy drivers and interventions so that you can enhance an experience for your team so that joy could be felt. But then it also has to be a shared responsibility. So we need buy-in not only from leaders, but also from employees to ensure that not only does it work, but it's sustained and it continues. And then you just use PDSA improvement science to see if the interventions are working, measure it. And there are numerous ways you can measure um, to see if it's working and then continue it on, keep it sustainable. And sometimes, I mean, you know, what the joy intervention looked like at the beginning of last year looks considerably different than the end of the year, you know, due to the pandemic. So you really have to be able to learn to pivot and get innovative on how that looks because a lot of us had to move to a virtual setting. And so that's a really good example of being innovative in these dynamics. Because part of the joy is it's an emotion and our emotion changes with our environment and pandemic change to our online learning. Mm -hmm. Everybody has kids in their home and they're multitasking, doing a lot of things. So you're absolutely right that it's not a one-time, one-stage, be-all, end-all. It's a continuous improvement process. And just like our need of the patients keep changing with different decades and times, so our response to those needs have to be done with a joyous intent. But it needs very thoughtful and mindful leaders like you, both of you, to first implement it, come up with ideas, and then a grassroots level of how do we keep the message going on a daily basis with your blogs and with your Twitter and uh, different aspects and managing the information overload in a joyous way so people can really separate what is important from what is just noise. And joy is not noise. Joy is a signal that drives us to work and makes us do what we are doing. So that's great. But I would just end up from an organizational point. You mentioned about joy and all these projects. From an individual standpoint, what can I do what should I think about doing other than just being nice to people and doing the needs of the patient? I mean, that's pretty joyous to me, but intentionally, what can I do? I'm making joy like a commodity, but I don't mind that. If it's a good thing, I want to have more of it. And joy is something we all can do more of it. As an individual effort, what can we do more in our life to bring joy to ourselves and by doing that to others? Sure. My thought to that and what I've learned with kindness initiatives in the community and at, at our organization is that you have to be intentional with opportunity. So not only do you need to be aware that you want to incorporate joy in your environment and ensure that there are drivers to joy that exist, but I think there are opportunities everywhere and being aware and, and looking towards those opportunities and, and moving towards jumping on those opportunities and carrying them out. I think that's the biggest part. People often ask me, how can I be more kind or how, how can I be, have more gratitude? Well, start with the person right next to you. And oftentimes that person is your family. And so if you're taking care of your core, yourself and your family and move beyond that, when you get into work, everything is going to fall into place, even with disruption, even with the, the most difficult challenges. Those are my thoughts on that. 
Well, those are brilliant thoughts. It's hard to actually want to jump in and contribute more because it might not sound nearly as good as what Danielle just said. I, I think, Dr. Ghosh, one of the things is maybe recognizing that all of us can lead in this area. We might have formal leadership roles where we can be intentional and we can start meetings with the first few minutes being about what brought people joy, what brings them joy in their work, what brings them joy in their personal life, who wants to you know, share a recent story about how joy was either something they experienced through the acts of others or something they themselves did. So I think sometimes, you know, again, if we have formal leadership roles, we can be intentional and start identifying those opportunities to influence our culture, influence our environment and bring it into the daily, you know, or the weekly activities. But then also informally, maybe we're on faculty development committees, or maybe we're on diversity and inclusion kind of committees within our divisions and such. And, and I think a lot of those efforts now are, are really relying on us to find out how do we connect? How do we have relationships? How do we further our engagement with each other, not just about the pandemic and about the work that we do, but about why the work we do is meaningful and valuable. And so we can you know, maybe push for things to be done and to, to encourage our teams and our divisional entities to learn more about joy, figure out how joy can be included in physician well-being activities or the start of conferences. I know some divisions are starting to you know, embrace this idea of kind of sharing a little bit more about who I am. What is my story? You know, either my story about how I got into medicine or why I do something, you know, in my, my volunteer life, starting to, again, share more of who we are. So I think a lot of those opportunities exist. We just maybe have to make it easier for people to feel okay about doing them. And we either role model it, or we try to encourage our colleagues to think about pursuing it together, you know, and having kind of, again, a, an intentional shared approach in ways that, again, it might align with other things we're working on, whether that's, again, our faculty development, our culture, you know, and inclusion work in our divisions, our, our physician well-being, staff satisfaction. I think all of those things could be enhanced or vehicles that joy can be a part of. That's great. I learned a lot from you, Eric and uh, Daniel. I also learned that there may be many elements of joy that I don't know about, um, which are in a big organization like Mayo Clinic, the opportunities to bring joy to others and to bring joy to yourself, which I might be blindsided, I might just have blindfolds. So the biggest thing which I'm looking at is, what is the thing I don't know that I don't know? The avenues of joy and getting engaged in different aspects of joy, the innovations of joy, because being a DNA, if it's a real, truly a DNA, it's present everywhere. And so I think there are many opportunities for us. And I think both of your work is cut out when you're looking at how you can help the institution and all of us for joy. But I also like the intentionality of it, right from the leaders to the operation managers, to the frontline, uh, to everybody kind of working as a team so that we are all working as completely functional groups and not dysfunctional groups to bring joy. And also, throwing resources, putting resources where it is. And I wish you'll get more resources as time comes because it's such an important task and it's one of our strategic initiative that would really help. So thank you, uh, Daniel and Eric. Before I wrap up, I would probably have you say something about joy, the joy initiative or something which we have not covered. So for our audience that they could implement starting today in their own work environment, if they have to take something from our talk, what should they do if their institution does not have this big initiative? What can they do for themselves 
to bring joy in their life? That's a great question. What was coming to my mind, and, and I, again, I hope I can make this make sense. You know, we've, we've been talking a little bit in our own joy team here at Mayo, but then also with some of the other institutions uh, that are working on joy, you know, that the pandemic has introduced a loneliness epidemic. And it's, you know, having an effect on all of us in terms of how we're experiencing our day to day. And if we're feeling joy in our work, if we're feeling burned out. And so I've been just trying to think of of more ways, and I, I would encourage our audience to think of more ways that we can be mindful of the needs of each other, you know, and recognizing that keeping doors open and stopping and having conversations and just finding out how people are doing. I know we're still masked and everything else, but you know, it, you can still connect through the eyes and through the, the, the nonverbals that our body, you know, language still conveys to take time to, to see who our colleagues are and how they're doing and just to be mindful of staying connected and trying to keep the focus on things that are of importance and, and value and meaning, whether that's personal, professional, et cetera. I think, you know, those things are essential to promoting joy. And I think, again, we have people now that work remotely that don't come to campus like they used to. So I think we're all challenged now to figure out how to still keep that human connection as we keep hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel to come for us. But we can't just go back to how everything was when we can go back into conference rooms and things like that. So I think figuring out how to connect, how to to stay connected at the human level and recognize how I can help you. How can I meet your needs? How can I make your day easier and better? And it may not be anything more than I held the door for you. And then I walked in, we actually had a a conversation and I delayed (laughs) going somewhere to talk for just a few more minutes about, you know, how your day was or how your kids are doing with distance learning, et cetera. So I think that's been a bit of a, more of a North star for me personally, and trying to promote that a little bit too, with people that I can maybe have an influence with. I would say get comfortable with being uncomfortable is my thoughts around how can you set the stage for joy or enhance it, you know, even further. Be okay with being comfortable with discomfort. I think when we look at joy and some of the questions that have popped up when I work with some of the teams and work units across the enterprise, as I've mentioned before, there's confusion around joy. And I think that it's okay that there's confusion because I think you have to kind of dig in and learn sometimes what's going to bring you joy. People are comfortable in in what they're doing. And if you learn beyond yourself and in your surroundings and you look for those opportunities, that's going to further show you more things that could possibly bring you joy too. So get comfortable with discomfort. That's a great, great way to end it. We've been talking about probably the most important topic that I've covered in the last 50 episodes that we have had in the COVID miniseries, but none probably as important or equally important as joy. Uh, One of the things which Daniel mentioned is being comfortable with discomfort. As we understand the language of pain and sorrow, a lot of times uh, we don't have to speak about it. We can be better listeners and just quietly listen. Just listening the person who's mentioning these emotions would be probably a way of showing our kindness. Even though we don't call ourselves as kind at that time, we're just doing it as a human being but also being very systematic, strategic, innovative, using improvement science and all the hard science of quality improvement, being mindful of the results. I thank you. I'm so fortunate to have both of you 
as my colleagues in Mayo Clinic and leaders in this field of joy, because I know I'm well cared for. So please spread the word of joy uh, wherever you are. It's more important in 2021 than it was important and probably as important more than 2020. I, I thank you both uh, for your great uh, contribution today. And we'll continue to bring you updates on different topics on COVID and others. And if you've enjoyed the Mayo Clinic podcast, please subscribe, stay healthy, and we'll see you back next week.